I'm Heather Anderson, and this is the FKT Podcast. Today, we're catching up with Liz Durstein. In 2020, Liz set the female-supported northbound Appalachian Trail record, and now she's back with a new female self-supported FKT on the 348-mile Pinhoti Trail with a time of seven days, 18 hours, and 22 minutes. Liz takes us through the challenges of her pursuit, floods, getting lost in town, and how she rallied to get back in the mindset after a Nero on the last segment of the trail. So let's dive in. Well, hi, Liz. I'm really excited to have you on the show today um, to talk about your most recent FKT, but also some of the other interesting things um, that you've done. So obviously, most recently, you just got off of the Pinhoti Trail and you set the self-supported female record on that, correct? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, thanks, Heather, for having me. I'm really happy and honored to be here. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the Pinhoti Trail, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about it, like how long it is, maybe what the previous record was and what you accomplished out there. Yeah, so the Pinhoti Trail, the it's in like the Southern Appalachians. It's a connector trail or just about to the Appalachian Trail. The Northern Terminus is in Georgia and it, it's like at a trail junction with the Benton Mackay Trail, which then connects to the AT. And then the Southern Terminus is in Alabama, um, a little bit south of Birmingham. And the, the total trail um, I think the distance has changed a little over the years, but right now it's 348.6 miles. The women's self-supported record was held by Catherine Baird in 10 days and change. And then the overall self-supported record is by Willie Thacker at six days and I think 18 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what was your time out there? Um, it was seven days, 18 hours and 22 minutes. That's awesome. I have been on the Pinhoti Trail, but not very much of it. I hiked the Benton Mackay, so I kind of saw that area. And then I was just recently down in the Talladega. So I'm a little bit familiar with the trail. And I I definitely followed along with your adventure and I was enjoying your updates. And I just read your recap right before we got on here. And so I thought it was really interesting, especially since I've seen the train that you traversed. And so I definitely um, enjoyed your recap. It made me feel like I was there. And so one of the things that I noticed when I was reading through your your Instagram posts and your blog, you talked about how you were a different level of nervous going into this, that you were like a shaky nervous. And for those that don't know, you set the women's northbound female time on the AT. So I'm curious, like that's such a, a big trail and a big endeavor. And so why do you think you felt so much more nervous going into this 348 mile long trail <laughs> when you've already set an FKT on the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, I mean, I think being self-supported and solo makes a big difference. It changes the dynamic a lot. Like on the AT, uh, Warren Doyle was my main support. He met me at pretty much every road crossing. So it, it was almost like having a comfort blanket, like no matter how scary things seemed, whether it was hiking through a storm or, or hiking at night, which ended up like not being scary. I did a lot of night hiking, but, um, <laughs> but, but there was also reassurance in knowing like I could trust Warren and he was always there, like waiting, waiting for me. So I, so I don't know. I think even if it was a mental thing, I just, I felt 
pretty fearless going into the AT where, okay. yeah, where, um, yeah, on the Pinhoti Trail. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have my comfort blanket. Like I didn't have, I mean, I knew I had people I could call. I knew, you know, I was prepared. I knew how to bail out if I needed to, but yeah, I went to the trail, like I borrowed a friend's car to check out where the Northern Terminus was the day before, because I wanted to make sure I knew where I was going. Cause it's not like you just drive right up to it and it's there. Like you have to find a little side trail and hike in a little bit. I think it's just like a mile hike from where I parked my car to the trail, but I really did. Like I started to get these shaky nerves. And I think part of it was that uh, you know, I was just out on this trail that I was unfamiliar with alone. And I I don't know, like to go from maybe like your daily everyday home life, like I live in Portland, Oregon, I live in a city, I can see the trails from my house where I live, like Forest Park where I run, I think to go from maybe the comfortable everyday lifestyle to being like, ooh, alone in the wilderness, that just... I don't know, made me real shaky and nervous. And I felt like that the day before I started, when I actually started the trail the next morning, I I think maybe I like got the nerves shaken out the day before, because once I started, I was actually fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that fear, a little bit of that fear of the unknown is always a part of anything. I feel like you, you feel absolutely no fear. Maybe you're probably not, um, something crazy enough <laughs> you're not pushing yourself enough it's true. <laughs> yeah. so I know you're a distance runner and you've done obviously the AT and a couple of other FKTs was this your first self-supported effort other than just like your long distance runs that you would do on your own it was my first I guess like multi-day self-supported thing like I did a fun like kind of right in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, a lot of people were kind of creating their own challenges for themselves. And I, and I did that here in Portland, like I learned of this. Uh, so in Forest Park, there's a, you know, there's one main trail, Wildwood, that kind of runs through the whole park. But then there's a bunch of like, little side trails that kind of go up and down the the little mountain range there, if you want to call it a mountain, it's like foothills. Um, but it I think someone like made up these routes as a way to kind of like keep training on the hard steep stuff during the winter when it's too snowy to go out to the Columbia Gorge, but you can still, you know, it's warm enough in Portland that you don't have snow on these hills. So anyway, they call them the routes, the forest park nasties. And then someone decided to like link them all together into a 65 mile or so route called Tour de Nasty. So And, and like someone had, you know, like established an FKT. I think there was one solo person and then one couple that had done it. So I just took that on as a fun challenge. I did it self-supported. I basically like parked my car and used it as a little aid station for myself and then did it. So, I mean, that was like a, on a small scale self-supported thing I did. So what, what uh, made you want to take that, that leap and extend and like attempt the Benhody Trail is a self-supported effort. Um, I think it was just the fact that I had never done something like that before. I was really curious to see how like self-sufficient I could be after like doing some kind of supported stuff. And then I, I attempted a supported FKT on the long trail last summer. Some things went right, but sadly there were things that did not go well. And one thing that made it difficult was the decision-making aspect of it. Like I had 
a really wonderful crew, but like I, it kind of came time to make an important decision at the end of the day about what to do. And there were different opinions and no one was forcing their opinion on my, on me, but like, I, I think it, it made for this really stressful situation. And I, I think I was just kind of like, it made me just kind of want to try something by myself and see how mm-hmm. it goes. And not that I'm like swearing off supported endeavors forever, but, but I think it just kind of sparked a little bit of curiosity just to see. Yeah, definitely. I can understand that. Like I haven't really done supported I've only done self-supported and in a large part, that's why, because I don't want other people's <laughs> opinions. Like I'm like, no, I just want to do it myself and make, be responsible for my own choices. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure as you found out sometimes when you're out there self-supported, you kind of wish there was somebody telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> totally, Absolutely. Even just like, I, I mentioned this in my write up, but there was one day, like I got to a town at the end of the day and I, you know, I just had to go resupply and grocery shop but I'm like I don't know what I want I don't know what to buy like I'm just kind of picking stuff and not making you know I'm like this will (laughs) do but it would have been a lot easier to have someone you know make those decisions for me (laughs) right oh well yeah right yeah um is that when you were in um cave spring yeah yeah so I was reading your recap and that I mean you did like almost a 50 mile day to get this town and then you went grocery shopping and then you got lost looking for your hotel. And I'm just reading this and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I would have literally just been probably like laying on the sidewalk crying. Like, I mean, like with sticking the chicken fingers in my mouth, you know, like, I don't know. Like I was just reading this and I was like, Oh my God, that's like a nightmare. So, um, it kind of me a little bit about that. Yeah. I know. I am. And I wrote like, so, so yeah, like I had done this long day and, and the last, I forget if it was 12 miles or 15 miles. I mean, it, the last section was a, a long road walk in the sun. And I, you know, I got pretty dehydrated because there wasn't, unlike when you're in the woods and crossing over streams, like there, you know, there's a lot of water sources when you're in the woods, at least on the Pinhoti Trail, but, um, or in most sections of the Pinhoti Trail, but, um, on the road, I mean, there are not a whole lot of options. Like once I stopped at a gas station and got some juice and then I, uh, later on, I just literally knocked on someone's door and asked for water and they were nice enough to give me water, but I still, I mean, by the time I got to Cave Spring, I was really zonked and I was also aware of timing. Like I knew the restaurant closed at eight. I knew the grocery store closed at nine. So I was trying to, in my head, prioritize like the things I needed to do. So I was like, okay, go to the restaurant, order your food. Um, while they're making the food, go across the street, go to the grocery store. And and then I had a little bit of time. They were real busy. So it it took a while for them to make my food, but it was definitely worth the wait. I got like fried chicken fingers and French fries. It was really good. But, but yeah, then I just thought the place I was staying was across the street. Cause I, you know, I did not do my research and I just relied on Google maps. It's a small town kind of like divided by this Creek. So, you know, Google's telling me to go this way. And I was like, oh, it's right there. Then I'm walking around and I'm like, okay, I see a bank. I see a library. I see a gas station. I do not see this place. So I kind of like wandered around a little bit and like, 
and I'm wearing my pack. I'm carrying like six plastic bags full of groceries, including my dinner in one side. And then I had like a half gallon of ice cream in the other place. (laughs) (laughs) So my arms, you know, were getting really tired from holding all this stuff, but I couldn't just set it down. And I like, I even went into the gas station and asked, Hey, do you know where the Hernan is? And they're like, no. Oh no. (laughs) I probably could have found it really quickly if, if I were not so tired, but I just wasn't really thinking straight. But after a while, I, you know, I just, I forget how I figured it out. Like looking, you know, I looked up something on my phone or I I think I found a picture of what the hotel looked like. And then I could see it across the way, but there was a creek in the way. So I had to figure out how to, anyway. So, I mean, I'm giving you a long rambly answer, but that's exactly what happened. It was just like yeah. me wandering around. And um, I probably would have popped down and just like, you know, eaten my food and laid down my stuff, but there was a big storm system coming through. Mm-hmm. And then I also knew they were expecting me. And of course, you know, I'm very enticed by like a hot shower and warm bed. I wasted a lot. I think from the time I got to town, it took maybe two hours for me to get my stuff and get to the place. (laughs) So it was, it was pretty sad. Towns are a time suck. It is inevitable (laughs) almost. Yeah, but that's pretty crazy. I was just picturing you like fording the creek. Like you can see the like (laughs) hotel in the distance. I'm just going for it. I'm going through. (laughs) That's pretty amazing to me. I feel like that's one of the things with a self-supported effort too that's often overlooked is just the amount of time that you have to spend taking care of yourself, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to town. You know, because it's like when you're in the woods, I mean, you basically just like I'm sleeping here and you just go to bed. But like when you're in town, you know, you have to like find your food. You have to find where you can sleep. You have to find all these things. And I feel like that's like an amazing example of what can really happen because your brain is on its own trajectory, (laughs) you know, when you've been out there hiking and it doesn't want to make decisions. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a huge um, difference, I think, between the supported and the self-supported. And um, yeah. Yeah. Have you had moments like that yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever been lost in a town for that long, but I definitely have been the thing where I'm just like thinking I'm being very efficient. And then, yeah, I've been in town for two hours and I'm like still trying to get things done. And I'm like, what (laughs) happened? Like like, a whole hour just vanished, like probably because I was just eating and, you know, not thinking. um, Yeah, I've definitely had things like that happen. Yeah, one of the other uh, things I thought uh, was interesting, because especially because this is pretty different. And then I saw maybe some reference to this when I was reading your recap. I'm kind of curious about what your goals were going into the into this hike. I mean, obviously, you were going for the overall Mm self-supported record. But what were some of your personal goals, like maybe some fears you were trying to overcome or some challenges? I mean, I know you mentioned that curiosity about what you could do um, self-reliant wise, but I was kind of curious what your overall kind of goals and thoughts were going into this. Yeah, I thought a little bit about this before the hike because it's like, of course, yeah, like sure, maybe there are some time goals, but it's like, well, that's not what it's all about, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it it's kind of like set, setting up this kind of like hmm, quest or adventure or however you want to put it for yourself. And I, I think part of it was just doing it and and seeing what would happen like a a lot of it was all about 
just kind of diving into the unknown. I love planning. I love knowing what to expect. But I, I think it was maybe just kind of like a personal, I don't know if, if I even want to say challenge, but just like a personal quest, <laughs> like maybe kind of like open a door, I guess, and, and see what could happen. So I, I think a lot of it was maybe just about discovery mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah you're I know your Instagram post you, you had a whole list of like questions like you know what are your limits and how good are you at problem solving and how how brave can I be you know in in those sorts of things and I think that's a really cool mindset to go into an FKT especially like you can go into an FKT purely focused on the time goal but I think it's cool to go into an FKT not only just focused on the time but also focused on the opportunity to learn and expand and to grow and I thought that that was really neat that that seemed like it was like part of this of this effort for you was to go into it with these questions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was um, so I'm kind of curious, like what kind of answers you got out there <laughs> if you feel comfortable talking about them. Yeah, I don't it, it was fun to go back and reach that like post like with all, you know, I it, I mean, this was like on social media, on Instagram, but I yeah, I kind of had this like flurry of questions yeah like how brave can I be who am I gonna meet like what's gonna happen what and um and it's fun to read those questions now and it's like ooh, now I have some answers to those and um like I I had a lot of fears going into the trip but definitely as these things go it's usually not the things you worry about ahead of time that maybe end up being the the mm, obstacles or or maybe the discovering places you have room to grow or mm-hmm. like I said, it, it's usually at least with my experience just not necessarily what you expect so yeah I, I don't know I, I think it's still like let's see I finished Sunday night and it's already been almost a week um, but I still feel like I'm processing it a little bit it's just been kind of like go 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 ever since I've gotten home and I was just uh yeah, saying earlier, I'm like, oh, this is my first like day off <laughs> or like first downtime. But um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, the the problem solving stuff that there was a lot of that along the way. It's like I think the first few days just kind of went nicely along to plan, but then I, I think it just takes one thing even to kind of, it's almost like a a chess match or something. It's like one move can kind of create all kinds of opportunities for other things to happen or, or it like causes a a chain of events. So from the fourth day on, and it took me almost eight days to finish, it was kind of like all about being off plan and just kind of going like rolling with whatever uh, circumstances or obstacles or or whatever there was so so yeah a big storm blew through that night that I stayed in cave spring and then I started the next day a little bit later than planned and then I didn't go as far as planned and then the next day I thought oh the flooding's behind me but then I ended up encountering these lakes that were just completely flooded and like the trail was under 
I mean, this is just what I read, but it was under six to 10 feet of water. It's like, I'm just walking along and then the trail suddenly just disappears into a lake. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What do I do now? (laughs) It's like, well, I could like sit here and cry or I could turn around and go back. It reminds me of this like little, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this or maybe some listeners will be, but there's this funny like this recording I remember listening to when I was little where you're like walking through a forest and it has you do these like hand patterns or like kind of claps along with it or I I forget but it's like oh no there's a bear can't go through it can't go under it better go around it and it and it (laughs) like presents all these different funny little things so I'm like okay I can't go through the lake. I can't go over the lake. I I guess I have to go around the lake. And yeah, I ended up just kind of hacking my way around the trail. And like, luckily I had my little gut hook app that kind of showed where I was in relation to the trail. Um, but yeah, there, there are just some unexpected things like that, that it's like, well, uh, you just figure it out. Right. I think anytime you're out in the backcountry, it's either like dominoes or chess and mother nature always wins no matter which game Mm -hmm. it is. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think that um, for those that aren't familiar with your AT record, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit more, but you're definitely a pro at changing and adapting and rolling with it, you know, from that experience, I feel like. Um, so I definitely felt like that as an outside observer really shown through on your pin hoodie, um, because you had to change and adapt your plan on the AT several times. And mm-hmm. um, definitely reading your pin hoodie, it just seemed like you were like, okay, well, you know, I've done this before, like, I just have to come up with a different plan and, and go through. Did you feel like that was the case? Did you feel like these experiences you'd had were really serving you well out there, even though it was a completely different type of scenario? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, and doing something, especially like the AT, but it's like the more, the more you expand your comfort zone, the harder the things you do. Um, and maybe unfortunately, the more pain you go through, it's like (laughs) your comfort level, your tolerance level just goes way up. So, you know, I was definitely able to look back and draw on some of those experiences from the AT and look at the stuff I was encountering on the Pinhoti and saying, you know what, this is not that bad. Like it's all relative or, or maybe it is bad, but <laughs> you've done it before and, and you yeah. can do it again. Or like you'll, you will figure it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, like when you were talking about the the flooding and, and bushwhacking around those lakes and I was reading your your blog about that and you make it sound you're just like, I was just hacking around these like I mean you reading your blog, you were like almost like rock climbing around some of yes. this. And then you encountered extraordinarily like deep water. And I share your fear of deep water. So mm-hmm. this like I was like feeling anxiety reading this. Yes. Like when you were just like <laughs> at some point I just had to like hang onto the rocks and go in. And I just I think that is really interesting how the trail tends to seem to provide opportunities like especially if you go into it with this mindset of I want to face this fear 
Mm-hmm. And then, or maybe you just want to face fear in general or find out how brave mm-hmm. you can be, you know, like you said. And then the and the trail is like, well, I'm going to give you flooded lakes that you have to figure <laughs> out, you know, <laughs> like you feel that way sometimes, <laughs> like you get what you ask for. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you said that so well. And those same thoughts were running through my head that day. I was like, this is like one of those fear immersion programs like you know you're really like scared of spiders and they put you in a room full of spiders or like it yeah yeah like just and 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 of course like flooding and water that wasn't something I was even thinking about going into this that I was like afraid of and I I never thought it was I mean maybe I should have but I never thought that's something I'd have to deal with but just like coincidentally like a month earlier I went my aunt I was visiting my aunt in Hawaii and she was like, she suggested going snorkeling. And I said, Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. And, and she even kind of warned me. She's like, just so you know, like, so you'll be sitting on the edge of this thing. And like, basically you're, you you just kind of like hop off where you're sitting and go into the water. And in theory, I was like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And, And then we got there and I'm, you know, I've got my scuba gear on, I'm sitting on the edge of kind of this little, pool area. I mean, it's the ocean, but, um, and and like, I just, it, it's like that. I don't know if it's a fear instinct, animal instincts, but I was like, Nope, I, I can't do it. Like my body would not let me do it. And I had that same feeling. Yeah. Kind of like crossing this, it, or yeah, crossing this deep pool of water. There were rocks I could stand on, but it was like, nothing about like my brain or body wanted to do that. But it was like, well, again, I guess you could like sit there and not do anything, or you can turn around and go back or like you can go. And, and I don't think I was putting myself in a dangerous situation. Like I assessed the situation, like I found a way across but it was like, I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> right. Did you feel like you had this like conversation with your, your like rational brain and then your like, you know, your reptile brain where you had to convince your reptile brain that it's going to be okay. Like we're going to do this thing. Like, you know, like, I mean, I've had to do this where like, I literally talk it through like out loud to myself, like, look, yeah. this is okay. You know, rationally, this will be fine. I mean, maybe were you standing there like having a conversation with yourself? Like how long did it take you to get yourself to like get in the water? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely had that, like the rational brain versus, yeah, like the lizard brain or like, yeah, I like had to tell myself like, yeah, it'll, this is okay. And I was even like, you know, I got into the water and I I was, I was making noises. Like I was a five-year-old. I was just like, oh, like, but I mean, I, yeah, so I don't, I mean, I don't think I, I took too long, like figuring out what to do and making a decision. Like I wasn't paralyzed or anything. It, you know, I kind of walked up and down the bank a couple of times thinking like, okay, I really don't want to cross over where there's this rock wall on the other side, but it's shallower there. And I know if I cross over, I can use the wall to hang on to blah, blah, blah. But I was like, but I really don't want to do that. So I went back to the section where the trail was, but the water was really deep. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so <it was> just <laughs> kind of, uh, settling on a decision eventually. Yeah. I feel like it's like your first rappel 
when you're like at the top and you're like, why would I let go of this perfectly good rock? You know, like, <laughs> you know, and you're having this moment, where you're like, why would I step into this water? Like, why would I, you know, like when you're talking about getting off the boat to snorkel, like, why would I get off this perfectly good boat into the ocean? You know? Um, yeah. I think that that is a part of a lot of, um, a lot of life in general. I think there is not just on the trail, but I think there's a lot of times where, you're hanging on really hard to something because of a perceived sense of safety. Cause you don't want to let go, even though, you know, it will be better or fine or whatever when you do let go. Yeah. I feel like for me, the trail has kind of taught me a little bit more about letting go. Have you felt that in your experience too? Like the more time you've, you've done things like this, it, it helps you in your off trail life. I think TBD. <laughs> I, I, I think like in theory, yes. Like I, when I'm on trail, I think like, oh yeah, like I'm very like a creature of habit at home. And so when I'm on the trail, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could be way less structured and be perfectly happy. And, and I kind of see these things, but, but then I get home and kind of go back to my old ways. So it's like, it's like the trail is trying to teach me, but it's still not always getting through. <laughs> maybe not necessarily in giant ways, but maybe in small ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. I, I think that that's always uh, one of the things I like to reflect on is the way the trail has, has affected my off trail life. I love that your, your first update from the trail, like kind of ended with, I didn't cry once and that was hard. And <laughs> I, I mean, I read that and like, for me personally, like I, I laughed, but I like hundred <laughs> percent uh, connected with that, you know, it resonated with me because I mean, for me at least like crying is such a catharsis. Like mm -hmm. I was like, it doesn't even have to be that bad, but like, I just cry at the drop of a hat. Like oh, yeah. it seems so ridiculous. Like I'm out here doing FKTs and I'm like doing hard things and I just, I'm like crying and like but you still keep going. And, um, so it's just like, I'm kind of curious, was that like a kind of a goal of yours to like not cry and like see how that went <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah I don't know like I think crying is a really good thing like I think it's really healthy I cried every day on the AT I'm sure like every morning it was always in the mornings because I, I just felt so overwhelmed and it was like how am I ever going to get through this day I don't know and I just like cry it out and then keep walking and then before you know it like half the day's over then you're like oh I think I can actually do it <laughs> um I, so I wasn't actively trying to not cry on the Pinhoti trail, but I actually, I don't think I cried once on, on the trail. And it wasn't, I don't know. I think part of it was me trying to like keep it together for myself. Cause I was just like, okay, like, and not that crying means you don't have it together, but like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, my, yeah, my mindset it, it just felt different. And I, I think part of maybe it's because I was just more nervous or like uh, conscious of being self-reliant. So I, I don't know. I just, I was less emotional on this hike than, than I have been on other hikes. And maybe part of that just came from a feeling of like wanting to be like maybe cautious or just, um, yeah, I don't know, trying to keep it together for the sake of myself. <laughs> like, it's like being your own support crew. I'm like, okay, like you can't freak out. Cause like you gotta, yeah, I don't know, take care of yourself. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you can use like crying or whatever, it's just like a catharsis to like clear emotion, but if it can lead to a spiral, like you can't spiral when you're self-supported, you know, like you have to like 
be on. You have to like be your own support. You have to be your own. You have to be there for yourself, um, whatever that ends up being in the moment. So I think that that's um, that's interesting um, that you had that experience. Do you feel like you were like far more focused mentally, like throughout this hike, maybe than you were on some of your other things where you were supported? Like, did you feel like you had to be, you were trying to play those two roles? So you just felt more like, I guess, mentally invested or mentally focused on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess just by my own assessment, but yeah, like I was really focused on the Pinhoti trail. I consider myself a creative person. Like I'm an artist, I'm a musician. And, you know, I feel like on, on most of the, I, I don't know, like, hikes I've done or just like being outdoors, a, a lot of that ties into the experience. But this particular time, it I was just a little more, yeah, uh, maybe like a little more down to business focused. And, and, and you know, I still enjoyed the the beauty of the trail. And I, I mentioned this a little in my recap, but like I still kind of like made up little songs and stuff in my head or, or like melt just they're always like very repetitious and they usually just end up going with whatever like pace my footsteps are going but I maybe I think it was that kind of like being aware of being self-reliant because it was my first time being in that situation like I've found on previous hikes that like my phone has been a big distraction like if I'm on a stretch that's not particularly challenging my first kind of like thing is like, Ooh, maybe I can like call someone <laughs> or like, um, or like see what's happening on social media. You know, I'm like walking and on Instagram, but it's like, I really <laughs> like just fully admitting it, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel that need, I guess this time to like be connected all the time or like call someone. I don't know. Like even, even on the long trail last summer, like I just found myself calling like my boyfriend and my friends and the, and kind of just, I, I like, I was very kind of like reliant on that moral support. And, and I was also going through like a pretty difficult time in my personal life. So maybe that was part of it, but for whatever reason that didn't happen this time. And I'm, and I'm glad because I'm like, why would I take my, I don't know, technology addiction on the trail with me? Like, that's not <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I'm glad you mentioned the mu music part because like that was something I discovered about you when I was preparing for this interview that I thought was really fascinating. Um, so you're a classical pianist mm -hmm. and I found um, online some compositions you did that in your head, like when you're hiking the AT. Yeah. And so it sounds like maybe you have, uh, you did some on the Pinhoti Trail as well. Mm -hmm. um, will you be like recording and sharing those, do you think? Because I would love yeah. to hear them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't have any like formal plans. Like I could just plunk them out on the piano and post them up. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like I like some, it's like there were some little like melodies or songs that popped up in my head that like I hadn't even thought about since being on the AT. So I was just like, huh, weird. Like there must be some part of my brain or something about, yeah. And like, I don't know what it is, like whether it's the being out in nature or like again like the tempo of the, my walking or just what, whatever is in my head or something related there I had some brand new like little melodies pop up but then some of them were like reoccurring from the last time which I just thought was interesting so, so yeah but yeah I, I'm happy to share those if I do it'll probably just be like on my Instagram
so I know you said that like when you want to be distracted out there, like you're on your phone or you're calling people like, but do you listen to music? Like, cause you are a musician. Like, does that, or do you prefer to just like compose this music in your head instead of listening to somebody else's? I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah. I, on, I get, on past hikes, I did listen to music, not all the time, but like, especially if I was like really in pain or really like needed some kind of something to take my mind off of it. Listening to music really helped. Um, I didn't listen to music on this trip, but, but I did, I didn't like only quote unquote, listen to stuff I made up. Like I definitely got some like specific songs stuck in my head uh-huh. <laughs> for whatever reason. And this was on the lake day. Maybe it's cause it's a body of water. I don't know, but the free Willie soundtrack got stuck in my head. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> like, That's fantastic. <laughs> And I don't, I mean, I love the nineties. I love, yeah. So I don't know, but the song, I think it's called, Will You Be There? It's just this kind of like uplifting kind of like gospel inspired song, Michael Jackson. But I don't, that was like my theme song for this whole trip. I'm like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason. And like, even in my car, like just this week, I'm like, I have it like on repeat. (laughs) That's awesome. That's fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, music can affect your your mental state. So I feel like choosing your theme song when you're doing something hard is very important, you know, have something good and uplifting. So one other question I had about um, your hike. And so like, I know I reached out to you because I, you know, did math in my head. And I was like, well, she should be finishing today. And then you were taking a zero day. And I can't even imagine, I mean, tell me about that. Cause I'm just trying to imagine what that was like. Obviously you kind of didn't have a choice. You were sick. Tell us a little bit about that and what led to taking a zero during an FKT and, and how, how you mentally like finished out like after doing that. So I guess the, it was the end of my sixth day, literally 58 or so miles from finishing. Oh, wait, no, um, not 58. Cause I did, I did do five. It was a Nero. I did five miles the next okay. morning. Nero. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so I guess I had like 63 or so miles to go, but it, it was like a pretty rough day just in terms that the, the terrain was a little more difficult. Like it went up and over the highest point of the trail in Alabama, uh, in the Chiaha wilderness. And then there were some, there was this section that I hikers have dubbed the the mega rock garden which it was just like a mile mile and a half of these like kind of big loose jumbly rocks very very much like the AT like in Pennsylvania my shin had started to hurt a little bit and just the all of the downhill of that day and all of the rocks were kind of making it worse and I was just starting to feel kind of like worn out and a little ragged, but just whatever. I, um, it ended up being a relatively short day, um, partly because of the terrain and then partly because I was, my leg was starting to hurt and I was just slowing down. Anyway, I ended up taking like, I, some like Advil for my leg, which I was like, Oh, that'll, that'll help. And it'll just like help me push kind of through the end of the day, but, but I ended up, I ended up feeling like that wasn't maybe the best decision. Um, partly cause I'm like, well, I think I was trying to mask the pain, which is probably not a good idea. And then also it, it messed, I think it messed with my 
stomach. Like I ended the day, it was kind of like in this cold little valley, which that's just, I don't know, that's just where I knew a campsite was. So that's why I chose that spot. And there was even someone else camps there already. They were already in their tent and it was late at night when I got there. But um, I set up my tent, I got inside, I got really, really cold, like, and I, which kind of tended to happen at the end of the day. It's like, I'd stop the hike, I'd get in my tent, but then I think like the entire, it's, I mean, I, this happens to me after a long run when I'm running, like, it's almost like my body temperature just drops a little bit after finishing out the activity. Anyway, I was in my tent, in my sleeping bag. Um, I got real cold and then and then every part of my body just really started to ache and feel bad. I don't know if it was just general fatigue or or I don't know if maybe I was a little sick because then shortly after I just started to feel kind of like stomach upset and I tried to like eat some food, but my body just like did not want food. But I, I was just kind of like, well, what do I do? Like my, I don't like eating food makes me feel sick, but I also need to recover and sleep and get ready for the next day and like feel ready to go. So I don't know. I, I just, I ate like a little, I think I like made myself eat a granola bar. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and like made myself eat another granola bar. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I was still, I still really wanted to try and break that overall record or at least give myself a chance. And I had, I think, until 10 o'clock that night to try. So I'm like, oh, it's probably not going to happen, but I have 63 miles to do. It's like one in the morning. I'm probably going to leave around two or three. But I don't know. My my stomach got worse. I was still really cold. There was a bunch of condensation kind of filling up the inside of my tent, probably from being next to the creek. And it, it was just bad. Like I was, yeah, I was in pain. I couldn't eat. And then I took another Tylenol, like thinking oh, it no. would help, but it made me feel 10 times worse. And it was, a, it ended up being a terrible mistake. Cause I, I think it just, it, it didn't help with the pain and it just made my stomach feel awful. Um, so lesson learned on that one. <laughs> I think I was just desperate for anything to help. Um, so I like got ready for the day, but by the time I, and this was inside my tent, by the time I finished getting ready, I was so cold again that like I had, I got back in my sleeping bag just to like warm up and, and then I laid there for another hour probably. And then yeah, major just like trying to problem solve <laughs> and, I finally got out of my tent and packed up all my stuff. And I, I forget what time it was, but I think I was finally on the trail by 3.30. But, um, but it was just clear. I, like I started hiking and my stomach just didn't feel good. I kept drinking more water, but it felt like drinking water even was just making everything worse. And I was just stomach sick. And I, I was, you know, started to like moan as I was walking, just feeling awful. And finally I, like, I got out of the little cold Valley that I was in at least, but then I was like, okay, I need to sit down and like figure out what, like, this isn't good. I, what can I do? And I, I just kind of looked on gut hook at, um, the next, what was at the next road crossing and, 
um, someone like a hiker comment said, call such and such at um, this hostel, like they'll come get you. They have a shuttle. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. And it's at that point, it was a little bit before six in the morning. So I tried calling them or texting them and they said, oh, sorry, we're out of town, but try Penhody Outdoor Center, try Nathan. And so I tried Nathan and he actually answered the phone and it, and he, and then he called, they have like this kind of like network of shuttle drivers they use. So they sent someone out to come get me. <laughs> and it was I, I mean, it was early in the morning and so I, I had another mile to hike out to the road. And then the Lori, the woman that came to get me, she, you know, she had to get ready and she doesn't live right there by the, you know, trailhead. So <laughs> I got to the trailhead and was like, well, I might be waiting here for a while. So I like threw down my pad and got my sleeping pad and got out my sleeping bag and was literally just like sleeping under the sign for like an hour. <laughs> and, and then she, she rolled up and, um, it came and got me and, uh, whisked me away back to, uh, the Penhody Outdoor Center, which was like 45 minutes away. And, um, and they're, they're, they're hostile. You walk in and it, it's like a, it's one main room. It's a bunch of bunk beds and they have a kitchen and, and there were some hikers and they're already and you know, they're just like, Hey, like what, what what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and and luckily there was a bottom bunk free because I'm like I don't know how I would have gotten to a top bunk <laughs> um, and and they and I you know had a warm bed that I was able to rest in all day and and so I, I don't know I was literally just in bed all day that day I hiked five miles and then was just kind of like in and out of sleep on the way to the outdoor center, Lori even like brought me by like a McDonald's and I, I walked in and looked at the menu and thinking like, oh yeah, hot meal is going to be great. But I just looked at the menu and I was like, I can't do it. And I like got a hot coffee because I was like, oh, I think I can drink some coffee because I was so cold. And, and yeah, it took me, I feel like I'm rambling now, but it, it I, I feel like it took maybe six hours under like a bunch of blankets and my sleeping bag just to even feel warm again. And then it was like another six hours until I felt like I could eat something because I had it in my mind like, oh, I just I just need to rest and get a little food in me. And and yeah, I think I can be back at, like in the afternoon, but it just was pretty clear that I was not going to be ready to be back on the trail in the afternoon. And, and I ended up yeah, staying there through the evening and then just slept there that night. And I just hoped that I'd be able to eat and I was able to eat. And I woke up the next morning and I had soup, like a big like chicken noodle soup for breakfast. And they shuttled me back to the trail. And yeah, I definitely didn't take any more medicine after that. I, you know, I just tried to eat as much as I could. And I had like, unfortunately, like one number two incident, which I, I was like, Oh no, I thought it was going to just be happening all day. Um, which was for a really miserable day, but I'm like TMI, but it only happened once. <laughs> and, um, sickness aside, all of the rest helped me feel a lot better. And I was able to knock out the remaining 58 miles and the last day. And I, I had no idea. Like I was thinking, Oh, maybe I can like at least try to get 40 miles and then get a little more sleep than hike 17 miles on the last day before like literally flying out that afternoon. Um, in the end, just trying to like, uh, finish the hike before I had to fly home and, and hoping for the best. So I, you know, it, 
sucked that like I, I, I lost a day, but, but I, you know, I'm really happy and grateful that I did have a warm and dry place to go and I was able to feel better and able to finish the trail. So it just, yeah. Yeah. That's a super dramatic, uh, finish to an FKT or really to any hike, you know, I mean, Mm the picture you posted, I mean, <laughs> you looked really sick. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't know if she's going to get back on the trip, you know? I didn't know and, if I was going <laughs> to, yeah. yeah and, and so I wondered, like, did you did you consider, like, that maybe that was the end? Like, you were just going to, like, because, I mean, you were getting close to your flight mm-hmm. at that point. Like, were you thinking, yeah. maybe this is it? Like, I'm done 58 miles from the trail then, you know? Like, did that cross your mind at all? Or were you just trying to, like, keep that at bay? Yeah, so I was like, well if I don't feel better, it's not going to happen. Cause I, I wasn't going to do that to myself, I guess, right. or like just at least by my own standards, like it felt irresponsible to myself, but then also just kind of like at that point, I kind of, if I'm just like being sick and going out on the trail, then in a way I'm kind of just like continuing to like assume that I'm going to be able to find help, which it's like, well, that's a pretty big assumption to make um and I don't want to assume that so so yeah I was definitely aware I'm like that that might be the end (laughs) but yeah I'm glad it wasn't yeah I'm glad it wasn't too and it was really um really fun to follow your hike I I really enjoyed that it was about the most adventurous I can imagine the Pinhoti being like with you know (laughs) having been on the trail I mean it's a pretty nice little mellow trail and like you definitely made it such an adventure (laughs) I'm very exciting to follow along (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on the show today and and telling us all about it and and sharing some of the some of the adventure with us oh thank you yeah no thanks so much for having me and it was really fun yeah hearing your thoughts and just getting chat about it yeah absolutely Thanks so much, Liz, for coming on the show. You can check out all of Liz's FKTs on the website, www.fastestknowntime.com. You can also follow Liz on Instagram at pinkfeathers and her website, mercuryontherun.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast.